Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of uh, inquiries um, at the front of that group. Um, I think, uh, you know, but, you know, one of the things that we've talked about here is just is just really trying to maintain that organizational discipline to kind of crush any urge you know to make a a, a snap or an impulsive decision and, and give up you know large amounts of, of future world series odds or uh you know expectation in exchange for just some marginal gains right now um so i think some of that undisciplined thinking can can lead to you know years of mediocrity and kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again um and so was really happy to be able to you know, um, you know, kind of put Vogelbach and Ruff together. Um, you know, and I'm sure all of you have done the done the work and looked at the splits and everything of that nature. And so, you know, we feel we've been able to to really add, um, you know, using two roster spots, an impact bat um, for us to to be able to utilize. Um, and we were able to to do everything that we wanted to do and kind of stay out of the inside of our top. Um, you know, if I'm speaking in technicalities, stay out of our top 19 prospects. Um, and we're able to strengthen the club today um, and, you know, kind of over the last couple of weeks. So, so feel good about how things uh, transpired. Just wondering how you balance you know, taking that long view with your team that is off to I think, the second best start in franchise history through this number of games and a team that looks perhaps special going into October. Yeah. I mean, you know, we understand what our, you know, what kind of odds look like. We can factor in uh, different types of acquisitions and see how that changes. Um, but what we can also do is, is, you know, factor in the the players that we're yielding and kind of through the forecast and some of the predictive modeling that we're able to do, we can look and see what, what does that actually subtract from the future and how many years does that subtract out in the future? And if you're, you know, subtracting a, a percent or a percentage and a half 
aggregate over a four-year period or five-year period to move up one percent now um you know that's that's just i don't think that's how sustainability you know which has been a objective of mine and steve's and sandy's um you know as we were kind of putting this whole thing together uh is is to try to do everything in in the um uh in service to that kind of sustainability and so um that's how we kind of measure that nothing um nothing presented itself that uh didn't take too much of that or everything that presented itself just took too much of that future away. Well, it, you know, throw the records out of the book. Just look at how we play baseball. Look at the process. Look how we look at RBs. Uh, you know, offense hit a little there, and all of a sudden it's kicked back up, and, you know, you, you're seeing a lot of consistency of guys and how, how they're swinging the bats. Uh, you know, you look at our rotation. Uh, the guys have gone out there and consistently, you know, thrown up some quality starts and, and really giving the team a chance to win. Uh, look at our bullpen. Bullpen's going out there. You know, we found guys that guys are going out there and, and giving us quality innings out of that, and then we got, you know, arguably the best closer in your game, uh, and Diaz to shut the door. So, um, you know, we're a good team. Uh, we know that, and but it takes a major effort every single day in order to beat uh, any opponent. So, uh, as good as it's been, uh, you know, this year and what, how we played, it doesn't mean anything yet because it's just now getting started. Another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Thursday, August the 4th, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com, and I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network, as well as RisingApple.com. Well, you heard Max Scherzer. It's just starting, and you all know the longtime listeners that have been with us from the start here on the Talking Mets podcast that we are firmly in go get it done, or winning time, or whatever you want to call it. The last third of the season, now that the August 2nd trade deadline is past us, and that's really what this show is about. This is a reaction show. I will not be on for an hour. I know I say that and things happen, but I said in the coming weeks that there would be pain because are you serious about winning a championship? Do you want to win a championship? And the cost of winning that championship is very steep. I think the Mets learned that. In a big-time way, if they didn't know that over the last 7 to 10 days. Whether it be prospect-hugging, baseball inflation, uh, or simply teams not wanting to give Steve Cohen anything or make it more expensive for the Mets to acquire things. The Mets went consciously in the deadline with the following, and we said this on Sunday, needs. They needed an elite reliever. They needed a complimentary bat to Vogelback or some more of an impact bat than what they had now, whether it be upgrading the you know part-time DH catcher or you know what they wound up doing by bringing in Darren Ruff. And they needed to see if they could pounce on a star. And I think the third one wasn't very realistic. 
with that said, taking the third one and the star out, the Mets did what they had to do with the bat. I know Darren Ruff, and my first reaction was, Ugh. but then when you look at the splits, you see exactly, and probably we should have known when Vogelback was acquired a couple of weeks ago where this whole bat thing was going because I don't think they would have gotten Vogelback, who clearly needs a right-handed compliment, if they were able to land a star like J.D. Martinez and, and, and the sort. And we talked about a lot of the options that were out there, like Trey Mancini and, and how, you know, Probably the best option from a bat was Josh Bell that might have been affordable. And it's clear the Nats didn't want to trade him in the NL East. And they attached him to the San Diego deal with Soto. Smart move so they could get the best package possible. The breadcrumbs have been out there, though. I think the biggest thing, the breadcrumbs have been out there where the Mets weren't going to make a splash at the deadline. You heard Alderson talk about it. You just heard Billy Epler, and I'll get to where I think Epler did a bad job with the with the media a couple of days ago. And it's a small thing, but it's a big thing. But you talked about Epler talking about the extra half a percent to percent and predictive models when it came to now and in the future. And all the signs were that the Mets didn't like the prices that were out there. I mean, Epler talked about holding on to his top 19 prospects. And if you look, Brandon Drury, how he cost a prospect that was within the top 10. And Iglesias, even though that was a money deal, how you know some major leaguer and some prospect capital went back Anaheim's way. Every single deal, Trey Mancini, you know, top 15 prospect. Every deal you saw over the last couple of days, including the ones the Mets made for like even a Michael Givens, came with the prospect or an arm in a minor leagues that has some upside. Now, I think everybody, and we talked about this, because of the access to video, because of the way the MLB draft is covered, because now you could stream minor league games, and there is so much coverage of minor league players, all the way up to now the mainstream. We have guys over at The Athletic or ESPN, you know, former GM and Jim Bowden talking about these kids, and Harold Reynolds on MLB Network talking about these kids and acting like you know they know who they're going to be, and they make these comps, and all of a sudden the fans get crazy like, you just traded Jose Altuve. You just traded whatever. And it's like, all right, calm down. You know the odds of anybody making it to the big leagues, much less somebody in high A, low A, rookie ball, Dominican league. I mean, when you're in AAA, the odds of you making the big leagues is is better than at any other point maybe in your career, but still not likely. I think the Mets, really, if you want to summarize where they're at with all the breadcrumbs and what happened, the Mets really didn't want to make, and I'm going to pull something out of history here. The Mets didn't want to do Larry Anderson for Jeff Bagwell. And I'm not just saying from the reliever standpoint, from their DS standpoint. If you don't know what that is, you all know Jeff Bagwell as a Houston Astro. But Jeff Bagwell was a Boston Red Sox. Or remember the Red Sox organization. And back in 1990, the Red Sox were going for a third straight division title. They wanted to win. They hadn't won a World Series in whatever at that point, 90 years, whatever it was. I care, you know, I think it was 86 years, whatever, whatever it was at that point, 1990. And they needed a reliever. They needed a bullpen arm. And Larry Anderson, a veteran, a guy that was having a great year in Houston, was available. And all they wanted was some low-level minor leaguer named Jeff Bagwell. Well, you guys know the Red Sox did win the division. They did not beat Oakland in the playoffs. And that's before the tournament. That's before the the, the layers you have now. And Jeff Bagwell went on to a Hall of Fame career. There's probably that Jared Kelnick and Pete, I mean, Pete Armstrong now has become the new Kelnick. It's like, guys, come on. Um, 
The Mets were only going to make a deal if it came from uh, or outside of their top-end prospect capital. And, yeah, J.D. Davis got you Darren Ruff. It's a shame that J.D. couldn't do what Darren Ruff, they hope he does, which is hit left-handed pitching at a high level. Because that's where the disappointment and the failure is here. You want to be angry about what happened at the deadline. That's where you should be disappointed. The fact that they had to go out and give up a good bullpen arm in Holdeman and multiple young prospects and a major leaguer for Darren Ruff, who's 36 years old, and turned his career around in uh, the Korean Baseball League. And that's really what it comes down to. So I know there's tons of disappointment, and I was disappointed too in uh, where the deadline went. But I don't want to all of a sudden take away where this team is at right now after beating the Nats two out of three and going into probably now. I mean, yeah, June was tough because of their West Coast trip, but probably going into their toughest stretch and most definitive stretch of the season. Mets are going to make the playoffs. I mean, anything can happen. But really, even if they fumble around 500, which their record, you know, their schedule indicates they can. And I know everybody says collapse this, anything can happen. I don't see how the, a rotation with DeGrom and Scherzer and Bassett and even the quality in the back end, which you're getting out of Carrasco and, and, the, and Walker and the elite, is, the elite season that Diaz is having, even with some of the concerns with maybe the three to six outs that, that they did not address at the deadline, they're going to make the playoffs. So it's going to be hard to win the division. Uh, I still think that when you start to look at them and the Braves, that they're a little bit more diversified than the Braves and can win against good teams at a better rate than what the Braves can. We'll see. You basically got nine games in August that I think are going to decide the division. You have, even If you hold serve against the Braves, and even if you win five out of four, uh, excuse me, you go five and four and win five out of nine, I think you're in pretty good shape to win the division. I really do. And... That's what this is going to come down to. Can you hold serve against the Braves and win the majority of the games, these nine games that are coming up over the next couple of weeks? So I don't want to take away, but I think if you want to do a criticism, I think everybody's disappointed because they see San Diego going wild and, and everybody wants to win the winter meetings. Everybody wants to win the deadline. It goes back to what I said. You can't run a baseball team that way. And I think when Steve Cohen took over, because he had to do so much work to get this team back into the big boys' table and how they spent money really prior to the lockout. And it really have had no negative press since they made those Thanksgiving, uh, you know, Black Friday signings, hired Billy Epler, hired Buck, and, and away you go. This is the first time that the fans are angry because the fans think they're going to get what they want when they want it because Steve Cohen's the owner. And when the other team has to make a deal and has to evaluate prospect capital, there's a lot of factors that you and I don't know about. So this is kind of like the first, you know, maybe crack in the 2022 fan armor that we see out there. And they went out and they got an okay arm in Givens. But he, and I'm going to go back in history here now, he has as much, and I know I'm, not, I'm going off of yesterday, which was like his, probably his worst outing of the year, but he could be as much Billy Taylor 
of you know of the ninety nine Mets ilk as he could be uh, you know a late edition uh, arm that comes over and lights out you know Guillermo Moda you know something like that and who knows maybe there is a Guillermo Moda maybe there is somebody that gets dumped like Brad Hand that the Mets could swipe up before the season ends doubtful uh, but that's but that's where you go so. That's where I think maybe we could be disappointed is how can the the Phillies land outside of their top 20 a an elite closing arm like David Robertson for for that kind of guy but who knows how the scouts evaluated it and who knows how the conversations with the Mets went maybe they were like hey if we're going to deal with the Mets the only time we're going to get Robertson is when it's tied into a Contreras deal and that didn't happen. If you really want to see where the only major criticism of Billy Epler and the organization so far this season has been, and really ties into the trade deadline. It was, and I've said this for a while, I've thrown it in, I've thrown it in throughout different shows, so if you've been listening, you probably know I've said this. And post-lockout, they made the Bassett deal very quickly, but they did not aggressively go at the margins. They could have had an Andrew Chafin. They could have had a David Robertson. They decided to go with Chasen Shreve. They decided to swap Castro for Joely Rodriguez. And I was okay with the moves. I'm like, look, they're going value-driven. They have this huge payroll. They want to see what this team is at. And then they'll play the, the market and the, and the deadline. And, 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 and how can they not be able to get a bullpen arm? Well, think because you have more teams in the hunt and because you have GMs that are, in some cases, hybrid, trying to still win and rebuild, because you have a lot of teams that don't want to compete, you have this confluence of stuff now where there's less sellers. So when you have a it's simple supply and demand, people, if you haven't learned it over the last couple of years in baseball and in life, what, what supply and demand does and what it does to prices, then you got to go back to school. It's the same here in baseball as it is in real life. And less sellers, a lot more buyers, prices go up. And prices went up. And I do think, and I know John Heyman, I saw what he wrote in the New York Post column, and, and I, I almost thought he was like mentioning me when he said a friend of... Because I know I, I sometimes I, I don't want to name drop, but I've talked to John. Not often. I'm not a friend of his, but I was like, is John because he follows me on Twitter. And I'm like, is John talking about me? You know, <laughs> because he said, oh, there's no such Steve Cohen tax. Nobody wants to not see the Mets win. John probably knows better than I. But I'll tell you the truth, he's in the club knowing these guys. I'm not. I I, I know how people act. I know people's access to grind. We've all had them. If you have a choice between sending a player to a team that and get what you want that you like better than the one that you don't, what are you going to help these guys? You want to see Steve Cohen uh, with a trophy over his head after you have been in this game forever, scouted, ate, ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Look, it's all speculation, and that's what this show is all about. I can't, even though a John Heyman, who I respect a lot, says it, I can't dismiss it. So you want to be mad about what happened at the deadline Go back to the spring post-lockout. The Mets did not. That's the one thing the Mets didn't do well. Here's another thing Billy Epler didn't do well the other day after the uh, the deadline. He did too much inside baseball with the media. And it goes back to what Luis Rojas really, his problem was. Luis Rojas was is a baseball gym rat for cage rat, whatever you want to call it. And when he was there every day talking to the media, it came out. And it was boring, and he couldn't pivot. He couldn't think on his feet. And uh, it started to become a problem later in the year, despite the fact that I think 
He will, you know, he's a good baseball guy, good coach. He's coaching for the Yankees now. I think he'll get another shot to manage, and I think he'll do a good job. Billy, and you heard it coming in, and that's why I picked the clips that I picked coming in. Billy is talking boring inside baseball. He's talking about the top 20 prospects. He's talking about predictive models. He's talking about how they look at incremental World Series odds. It was the first thing he said on his first press conference. Hey, the best teams only have a 17, 18% chance of winning. Now, that's a dangerous, that's a very real mindset, and that's very honest. But that's a dangerous mindset because you you get too deep into the numbers. And the Mets, and I think Steve Cohen, who is a numbers guy coming from the financial field that he's in, the Mets have been really good, especially because they have Buck in the fold, at balancing the all-analytics, emotionless approach with real scouting, real baseball, with a real sense of where they are at as an organization with the fans from a marketing and a branding and a you know the whole yoke around the next standpoint. Sometimes you have to make moves that the predictive models can't quantify. When you're Steve Cohen and you come in and you're trying to clean up the stench of a decade of Madoff and two decades of disappointment, maybe more. You know, you're paying for the sins of the past. So you, the predictive models don't put that in. There's no way to put that in. Even the most robust model with artificial intelligence can't do that. But you have to run your business and your team that way. If you want to be a sustainable winner, the way the Dodgers became the Dodgers, yeah, they went a cra- crazy and they got Josh Beckett and Adrian Gonzalez and they made that deal. But when you look at that deal that was applauded, those guys, you know, other than maybe Adrian Gonzalez, Call Crawford, they weren't that good. That was a designer deal that they, you know, they wanted to show that they were back in the fold. The Mets have not done anything like that. All the moves they made have, for the most part, you know, Lindor is a, has been the conversation, but he's not Call Crawford when he came over. He's been he's been very productive. The Mets don't need to do that right now. They're back at the big boys table. They've gained credibility. What Billy did is gave you how they look at things very honestly. And the fans don't want to hear that. The fans want to hear, I want to win. I want to be in the big, you know, they don't want to hear 17% or half a percent or whatever. They believe their team has every bit of chance to win as the Dodgers. Every bit is with a chance to win as San Diego. They see San Diego go crazy and remake their team. Listen, there's a lot of, it's, it's, it's not stratomatic baseball. They still have to play the games and the Padres have to mesh and gel and, and figure every, themselves out. They got to go through the getting to know phase and winning time at the same time in August. Not easy. That's basically what San Diego did. It could happen, but not easy. So I think the way my point here is, is that Billy needed to do a little bit more of a marketing conversation with the media and speak more to the fans because you could talk about that, but acknowledge the fact, hey, I know fans don't want to hear this, but what I'm trying to do is explain to you how we look at things. And yeah, there'll be times where maybe the predictive model says X and we still go for it because of where we are in our cycle. But right now, that's not where we are because we feel with the team we have and the upgrades that were available to us and the price that it was going to cost and what was going to happen later, it wasn't worth it. You have to remember, anything they did at this deadline with Prospect Capital has an impact because Diaz is going to get paid, DeGrom is going to get a raise, uh, Nimmo's going to get paid, the rotation, all these guys are all free agents in the rotation. The whole bullpen is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. They have there's a whole conversation when this season's over. You know who can realistically stay, who's going to go, and who do you want to keep? And the Mets roster, which I think even if this te- this season falls short, 
in any way, shape, or form. I think you like this roster, and I think for the next two or three years, you'd like to bring these guys back and go at this a couple of times with reinforcements, of course, and an injection of young players because you're going to need some cost-effective bats, which they certainly have at the upper level of the organization. And eventually you're going to want to say, hey, I want to slide in uh, another McGill, another Peterson to you know, make up for the fact that maybe Carrasco gets old and this is the magic beans and whatever he has left we're seeing right now or Carrasco gets too expensive or Taiwan Walker's market gets crazy and you say, you know what, I just can't pay Walker that kind of money for four years. So I'm going to, you know, but I have this guy that I could slide in or whatever. You know, Nimmo's going to want to get paid and he's going to probably get paid handsomely. And you're like, okay, how do I fit Nimmo into it? It's really why they went more, like Vogelback and Ruff have some control. That's where some of the costs came up. And that's probably one of the reasons why they went that route. Because if they got a bat like a Josh Bell, now they got to pay him at the end of the year. Now they don't have a DH next year. So they try to balance everything out. And that's not what you guys want. Now, I went on, and I've said a thousand times, and I'm not a phony, you know, winning championships is what this is about, not building top, you know, 10 farm systems. The Mets are, like, ranked 14th now, so they're they're getting close there. And there was a certain amount of prospect hugging. I don't know if Mark Viento should have gotten in the way of me getting David Robertson. Do I want him straight up for David Robertson? No. But I guess that wasn't going to get it done for a Contreras or for somebody else. Really, the only reliever, the two relievers that had impact, was Iglesias and Robertson when you really start to look at who was available. Everybody else, Fulmer, kind of the same as Givens. Lopez from Baltimore is having a career year. Those are guys that I can't guarantee for the prospect capital you give up that they're going to come over and be as good as they were. I mean, look at their their back of their baseball cards, the front of their baseball reference page, whatever you want to call it. You know, former, former Met, walks a lot of guys. I mean, Givens falls in. Lopez is having a great year, but uh, historically he's not. He was a scrappy guy a couple of years ago. He was a guy that you look at, ugh, walks too many guys. Did he figure something out? Very possible. The Astros have made a living on it. The Yankees have made a living on it. It can happen. I'm not saying that the Lopez is 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 going to fall back to earth, but are you going to give up a top prospect with you know depending on the back you know the back end what you see out of a guy from from Baltimore that all of a sudden is is this good? And the Orioles aren't stupid. They know they probably got some uh, magic beans and pixie dust with him. Let's let's get paid on it. Let's get a haul for him. So you have to think of that. You have to know that Billy Epler is paid to think today, now, today, twenty a year from now, five years from now. They're not going to run. He didn't get this job saying, I'm going to get your championship in 2022. But, so, but you see, because of the way he communicated this with the media, because it was an inside baseball thing, and we haven't heard a lot from Billy Epler all year. He's talking on the back end. Sandy does a lot of the you know management liaison work. He's not making decisions, but he's a management liaison work and get out there in the media. And mainly it's Buck Showalter. I mean, think about how important. How You know, I've talked about it from the start. How important Buck Showalter is. He's the guy that's going to provide context and perspective. And, you know, the other thing you guys have to think about is guys here have to play better. I know I'm using the buck term, but they have to play better. McCann has to be better. He can't be. I can't imagine James McCann, I know he's been hurt, is a buck 50 hitter. I mean, can you give me 220 with home run power, continuing to provide good game calling, good defense, things like that? Is that, is that, is that That's what you were paid for, 12, $10, 12000000 million a year. 
You know, Lugo's got to be better. Trevor May's back. We'll see. He was okay. I know he's, you know, when he says I'm going to become more of a pitcher than a thrower, it makes me think he can't dial it up and his arm is still a, an issue. But let's see, Trevor, you want to be more pitcher than a thrower? All, I'm all for it. You know me. You know, Michael Givens, you know, come in and, and get me three outs in the sixth inning. The only thing the Mets don't have right now that the other teams do, and Atlanta has it, and with Josh Hader, who's had a horrible July, maybe San Diego has it. They, may, they upgraded their bullpen. We'll see if they have it. The Mets have three outs to figure out. They have the best closer right now in baseball, bar none. They need to figure three outs. I think Lugo and Adovino and May and all that, you could figure out, you know, you could push your starters another, you know, push these guys to the seventh inning now. Not DeGrom, but the other guys. There's no reason why the, that rotation, when it's healthy and it's when DeGrom is up and running, why can't you get 21 outs from them? Now you have to figure out six. You got three of them with Diaz figured out. What about the other three? You should be able to, which have, it's not a guarantee. It's not a lockdown. It's not Nelson, Stanton, Rivera, which is what we wanted. They could get it. I think you wanted more certainty, and you didn't get it. The only thing I'm upset about, and I know our friend Richard down in Columbia, who was on the show, is one of the panel guests. He wrote me an email, says, oh, he gave gave the team an F. Ah, that's a little harsh. That's a little harsh. I think they did not meet every need. I think they were C+. I think they would have been a B, B+, if they got Robertson. And then Iglesias, I looked at it when I first said, how come the Braves got him so cheap? Well, they also, I forgot, the guy's got a, so it's $16 million for like two or three years each year. Like that's, you you take Iglesias on, you're basically saying, hey, Diaz, you're gone. You're not going to pay two closers. And he's not having a great year. He's league average. You know? So that's my perspective. My perspective is the Mets did what they told you they were going to do. Again, we learned Read the room, for lack of a better word. Listen to the breadcrumbs. Listen. Everybody tells you the truth if they talk long enough and if you listen enough. Don't read the headline. Don't read the writer's opinions. Don't read, you know, this with this smoke. Look behind it. There's probably a fire or something's going on. Don't just say, ah, just ignore that. Sandy gave you the breadcrumbs. Andy Martino gave you the breadcrumbs coming out of the Bat Cave there in uh, City Field in Flushing. They were there. They did exactly what they said they were going to do. Am I happy? I would have liked to know on the back end why they couldn't land Robertson and why they let the Phillies get him. And the funniest part about all this, this is really the funniest part, is that I've heard nothing but... Uh, angst from this fan base about Jared Kelnick for four years and for the last six months about Pete Carr Armstrong. And now they're pissed off because the Mets didn't trade top prospects for a free agent catcher and a reliever that was on the scrap heap because he was injured uh, six months ago. Can you figure this fan base out? I think somebody tweeted out, and if you're listening and I didn't give you credit, I'm really, really sorry because my, my head is jumbled about the, at this point with all the information that's been flowing, that Mets fans rather be lovable losers and, and have losing records than be in, the, in, in the, uh, the deep end of the pool and basically compete and win a championship. And I 100% agree that there is a portion of the fan base that loves that because prospect lists and losing are not stressful. They're about the future. You can never be disappointed because you could you – could, 
manipulated to be whatever you want because it's predictive and it's not based in fact. And there's no stress and there's no disappointment. And at this point, there's nothing we can do. We're not going to sit here and gnash our teeth every time the elite is blown in the seventh inning about what they did or didn't do at the deadline. The media will do it. And when it's all said and done, I'd like to know, and, and I'm sure it's going to come out, why didn't they, weren't, why weren't they able to land Robertson? Because that's the name. Maybe, you know, I'm sure they wanted him. And, and that's that. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think they really like these guys in the top 15 to 20 of their farm system. I think they uh, know they have a lot of money that they have to spend to keep the current group together or as much of it. And they were not a match on the stars. Well, Tani wasn't going anywhere. They don't need Hater, and I'm not sure, you know, I would really wonder what's going on with Hater in July with how he got torched. And Juan Soto is the guy that we'd love to have. And look, at this point, uh, you could sign him in two years. But I will say, San Diego, the weather, the tranquility, the fact that you could be a, a big star and not have the pressure of New York— if I'm Soto and they pay me the, my, my quote, they pay me my money, I'd stay there. Yeah, the taxes stink. They're not so great here in New York either. Well, come to New York and, and play in uh, you know 45-degree weather in April and get booed because you struck out with the bases loaded or hang out in sleepy San Diego in the beautiful weather. Probably have some good teams if they could afford to keep building a team around you. And a fan base that's probably going to love you no matter what, whether you're in third place, first place, last place, and you got the weather. Where would you play? If you're getting paid, where would you play? Be honest, Mets fans. So it's not going to be easy to get Soto. And I didn't think it was. It was an exciting thought when it first came out a few weeks ago, but not realistic. Even the Yankees, the Yankees had to make it. It was too complicated. You had the judge on the Yankee side. You have the Mets. You're ripping up your roster and you're trying to incorporate a star. Remember, there's a reason why we say there's a third, a third, and a third. Getting to know what do you need and then go get it done. Because teams, even though it's an individualistic sport, teams have to gel and grow. And it doesn't happen overnight. Simple as that. So that's what I have for you guys. That's my reaction for the deadline. What did you expect me to yell and scream? You could go to you know Salicata at SNY for that. You're not going to get that from me. You want me to grade them an F? Give them a C plus. Am I upset about Robertson? Yeah. But I'm telling you, we've talked about this. They told you what they were going to do. The prices are high. I gave you the reasons why the prices are high. Some of it may be Cohen and them wanting to stick to Cohen. Some of it could just be simple supply and demand. That's probably what it came down to. Maybe the game is evolving how they look at prospects. and how I mean, we're, we're starting to get to the point where people are evaluating prospects in the 20 to 30 to 35 range in an organization. I mean, good luck. You need to be a scout to do that. That's like going to the store and trying to pick through the bin for, like, what's the winning scratch-off ticket? I mean, come on. I don't know. But I think Billy Epler needs to do a better job of brushing up. He didn't do anything wrong. He's got to be less inside baseball, more charismatic, and more talk to the fans, giving them the information that's the truth, like the predictive models, but not ripping the Band-Aid off like he did. Now, part of it is it just finished the deadline 90 minutes prior, so it's not that easy to turn the switch on and off. But, you know, you have to speak to the media. You don't want to be like the Knicks and not talk to the media at all and, and create that atmosphere. You know, now you know why the Knicks don't want to talk to the media because look what Billy did. 
you know, he got the benefit of the doubt, but if they weren't in first place by four games, his deadline, post-deadline, I should say, press conference would have been, it's a Zoom one, but it would have been far more difficult for him um, if they weren't in first place. So he got the benefit of the doubt there. So that's it. Nine. Now it's about getting it done, guys. Or as Scherzer said, it's about it just starting. Nine games in August. Big series with Atlanta starts tonight. You got the Phillies. You got the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. You got the Dodgers at the end of the month. Let's see what this team's made of. The guys who are here, they have to play better. They've got enough to compete and win. Not guaranteed. Would have loved to have reinforcements. Would have loved to, to bridge the gap with the Dodgers. Would, would not have liked to see the Padres improve as much as they did. But hey, they could be the Braves. They could be the Phillies in a short series. They could be the Brewers. So that's that. All right, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. You can send me a tweet at Mike Silver Media. And you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silver at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silver at talkingmetspodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silver. Enjoy the Brave series. We'll be back recapping the Brave series at the end of the weekend. Until then, sit back, enjoy baseball. Take care, everyone. credit card bill.